Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, we are joined with Don Beattie from Beattie Partnership. And Don is a chartered surveyor with 27 years experience in commercial property, has been involved in rating legislation and all aspects of the appeal system, including representing clients at local tribunals and the lands tribunal. Don's also involved in all aspects of landlord and tenant work, including dilapidations and lease renewals. And in particular, Don has a drive to build on the success of the BT partnership and to be at the forefront of providing tailored property solutions for commercial property and especially within the educational sector. So Don, it's a pleasure to have you on this morning. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much indeed. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for asking me. No problem at all. So, Don, this is really topical. And um, through all of my Facebook groups and the followings in our communities, very often, almost probably on a daily basis, we get questions about council tax, about business rates. And I think um, there doesn't seem to be any common ground throughout the whole of the country. We seem to have different councils, different VOAs doing different things. So today's going to be really great for us to, you know, to hear it from somebody that does this all of the time. So I'm sure that we're going to get massive value. But before we go into that, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you into chartered surveying in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I um, started, as you said, uh, a long time ago, uh, too long to remember now, but uh, I started out um, dealing with residential properties um, for uh, when surveyors used to occupy space above a, an estate agent. Uh, you'll remember many years ago, that's the way it was all set up. And I used to do bank valuations and mortgage valuations, fire insurance valuations, all that sort of thing, uh, and dealt with obviously uh, a lot of um, whatever was in the local community at the time. Uh, I then went off to college, I did a degree in urban estate management, and uh, from there I went to work for one of the, uh, the main rating practices in the country. Uh, not necessarily to do rating, but I, I ended up uh, sort of, <laughs> certainly the way rating has gone over the last 20 odd years, um, it's become more and more topical, and uh, as the world has become more specialised, I've ended up sort of uh, in, in, a, in a niche, within a niche, if you like. So now I've ended up sort of uh, dealing with, on a daily basis with um, business rates and council tax. Okay, so business rates and council tax. Now, for those that don't know, Don, because we do have a varied um, level of experience that listen to the show, what's the difference between business rates and council tax? Okay, well... There was no difference at all um, many, many years ago. Uh, it was all one system. So uh, pre-1990, uh, before uh, a lady called Margaret Thatcher um, decided to split the system up, uh, it was all one thing. So all property was valued in, in the same way. And it was valued to, uh, for taxation purposes to rental levels uh, prevailing at a certain date in uh, a certain point in time. Um, in 1990, the system was split up uh, and we had something called the community charge, which people will remember as the poll tax. Uh, and on the other side of the fence, we had something called business rates, which is also known as the non-domestic uh, rating system. Uh, after three years of poll tax and uh, a few people going to prison, um, they ended up with a new system uh, called council tax. And that system uh, as it exists today in exactly the same form as it did back in 1993. Uh, and that's based on capital values of property in 1991. Um, and those capital values are translated into a banding from A through to H in England and A through to I in Wales. Uh, on the business rate side of things, everything's valued to um, the rental levels prevailing at a certain 
date, uh, which usually is before the, uh, the, the onset of a new rating list. Uh, the new rating lists have come through uh, every five years since 1990. We're currently um, dealing with the 2017 rating list um, because they delayed the last 2010 rating list. Uh, and the next one will come through in 2021. And do you have a particular specialism, Dom, in what you do, or is it sort of um, all of it? Do you do everything? Well, we get, we get involved. We're, we're, we're a boutique practice, so we get involved in sort of the weird and wonderful, if you like. We get involved in things that are quite uh, unusual to come across. Um, and some of the unusual things we come across um, tend to revolve around independent education um, because they are what we know as a, uh, a mixed use property. So they have both council tax and um, business rates. And uh, the council tax is, uh, is quite complex when you find it in that arena. Um, whereas most council tax in the country, obviously, as you were aware, is just a single house. Uh, it'll just be something which is uh, banded uh, and it sits in that band for, for many years. And uh, it, it isn't that exciting in terms of what we do for a living. However, once you start to uh, mix the use of the property and you start to carve it up into bits, uh, then it becomes a little bit more interesting. And that's when we get involved. Hmm. I'm going to come on to that in a little bit and certainly when you do carve properties up and you know a lot of our investors are doing houses in multiple occupation there doesn't seem to be any common ground throughout the country certain councils are doing certain things and other councils aren't it's really difficult as an investor to be able to plan forwards if you don't really know what's happening but we'll come to that in a second that's just a little bit of uh, food for thought so let's talk a little bit about the rating system then Don can you describe to our listeners exactly what that is what does it mean uh, the rating system, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a property taxation system. It's a way of uh, local authorities being funded. Um, so they charge uh, the local community <coughs> based on the, uh, the property that they occupy. Uh, and it's generally an occupier's tax. So you'll only actually um, pay rates if you are the, the occupier or deemed to be the rateable occupier of the property. Um, so in theory, uh, a squatter could be an occupier and, and should pay rates, but obviously in practice getting the money out of them would be something quite different um, and the the, the the money's collected by local authority um, it used to be uh, then uh, sent to central government and then redistributed but nowadays they get to keep the money themselves um, so they, they, they're getting uh, keener than ever on actually what goes on in their local area um, if, that, if that describes to you the the, the rating system yeah absolutely and i know that um, is it based on floor space or how, how do they how do they sort of like you know work out the value well, the, the value, uh, obviously, there's all different types of property across the country. Uh, we've got things from hotels and, and guest houses to, uh, you know, individual dwellings. Uh, on the, 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 the residential side, it's value to capital value. Uh, and that can or cannot be sort of depending on which way you look at these things could be based on floor area. Uh, generally speaking, it's um, just the same as you'd value your own house you know if you if you know of another one down the road which is a little bit bigger or a little bit smaller then you'd be able to gauge and that one's just been sold then you'd be able to uh, guess you know guesstimate what yours would be in terms of value uh, on the business rate side of things it's all rated to rental levels so it's whatever would affect rent that you would pay for that property uh, would then impact on the rating assessment for the property Okay. And I know that there are reliefs, aren't there? Um, we're going to come to that in a second. But I'm just interested to know, Don, is it different in England to Wales or is it the same? There are, there's, there are huge similarities, um, massive similarities. Obviously, there is another band for council tax purposes in, in Wales. Uh, they had a revaluation in 2005. 
uh, whereas England haven't had a revaluation. Um, they, they're still on the original 1993 um, council tax list. Okay. And how has it changed over the years in, you know, sort of in terms of rateable value? Are we still seeing pretty much the same concept? I know we spoke earlier about council tax. It was poll tax. I think it was roof tax before that, wasn't it? Or something similar. Uh, Do you remember that? I mean, I remember the Margaret Thatcher years. I mean, who doesn't? Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And for anybody who hasn't, didn't experience that, then you should perhaps go on YouTube and have a little look at the, uh, at the riots that took place at the time. Mm. It certainly wasn't a popular thing back then. And how do you think it's going to change in the future, Don? Do you think it's pretty much here to stay in its current format? I think, um, as you're probably aware, with most government departments, they're sort of uh, cutting numbers. Um, they are uh, sort of commoditizing an awful lot of what they do. And uh, there's a lot of uh, input from computer systems, which means that uh, they're sort of heading a lot of this sort of um, taxation into self-assessment. Uh, so there have been, there's been huge changes in the, the business rate side of things in the last two or three years, uh, as they've introduced new systems for appealing against the, the, the values that appear in the rating list. Um, they uh, will probably be looking at, in the future at self-assessment, I would guess, but um, they, they, they've headed towards that recently and they've, uh, they, they've suggested that they're not going to do that. Um, but all of the forms and all, everything you fill in in terms of appealing against your rateable value um, is very much looking like self-assessment. Well, surely that would just open up a massive can of worms. I mean, are people going to try then to, you know, sort of manipulate the system if it's self-assessment? Uh, I would say <clears throat> they probably will. Uh, there's the, the, the massive scope to, to be able to do that. Um, I think that um, it, it seems like the government are sort of uh, hell-bent on, on, on getting this into a system where they're cutting costs, there, mm -hmm. there are less revenue officers around, there are less people who have an interest in the correct answer. Um, so very often nowadays I have, uh, I mean we act for <clears throat> uh, thousands of, uh, of properties across the country um, and we have lists of, of properties, obviously can't go into great detail <laughs> at the moment, but. Um, <clears throat> there are an awful lot of people who have properties that aren't rated at all and um, there are there are people who, who have properties which are rated incorrectly but they are on the right side of, of, of the line if you like um, so there is very little incentive for them to do anything about it because the, uh, the, the process for doing something about it is quite tortuous. Mm. And where do you come in with that then Don? Is it your job to go and stand on the side of the, the landlord and, and sort of fight the um the valuation if it were yeah, we, we we act for the occupiers so the, the rateable occupiers now that is deemed to be the landlord at times is that the landlord can be the rateable occupier if, if it's empty or if it's uh, they have paramount control over a building as you do with hmos um we act on on on, on the part of the person who's paying the rates bill um, and what we do is make sure that they are not paying more than they should um and give them an assessment as to whether or not they uh the current arrangements exist within the rating list um, based on the facts that we find on the on the ground um, are advantageous or not um, and then manage the process for them uh, we, we, we find more and more nowadays people just want us on board um, to make sure that they've they've got the right forms filled in and mm. they're not going to fall foul of the legislation really. so do you do like a whole handhold service from start to finish with regards to filling forms out and even challenging valuations Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. We've, there, there are um, <laughs> there are 
huge amount of forms to fill in. Uh, you, you commonly at the moment you've got the uh, form of return for rating purposes, which is something which is preparing for the next uh, business rates revaluation, which is in twenty twenty one. The the valuation date for that is uh, the first of April nine uh, two thousand and nineteen. So because of that, uh, the, the the revenue want to know what rents are being paid by all of the properties. Um, as at the 1st of April uh, 2019, so that then they can uh, assess what the next revaluation uh, will be, so that they'll know what the rateable value should be in, in the next rating list. Right, okay. So the council, I mean, the levels on, on the value is set either via turnover or um, certainly with, with properties, it's the, the size of the property? Well, what you have with business rates on that side of the fence, uh, you, it, it's based on rental levels. And um, so if we could just very quickly uh, just talk you through what the, the types of property that you might find. So you've got what we call bulk properties, which are shops, offices, warehouses, those sorts of properties where they have a rental uh, figure probably. Um, so you'll be able to analyze the rents in an area. So if you had say an industrial estate, you'd get all the rents in that area and you'd say, well, this is what we think the, the, the value would be on the 1st of April uh, 19, uh, 2019. And therefore that would be the figure that should be adopted for the 2021 revaluation. Um, in the current rating list, we're dealing with the 2017 rating list. Um, obviously the, 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 the valuation date is, an, is another date, which is uh, the 1st of April, 2015. So right at the moment we're going through an exercise for uh, hundreds and hundreds of clients whereby we are assessing what the rateable value should be for the purposes of the 2017 rating list based on 2015 levels of value. Um, so you, you've got at one end of your scale, you've got your shops, offices, warehouses, those sort of bulk properties, which will give rise to a, a figure based on a comparison of rents in that area. Um, then you've got more unusual properties, sort of like hotels and um, uh, golf courses and uh, the leisure industry, as we call it, and those sorts of things. So you might have a wedding venue, or it could be a, a, um, sort of a, a festival site, uh, and those sorts of things. Typically, um, because they don't, uh, you don't tend to rent those things, those properties. You tend to own them, and then you uh, you, you do what you do for a living, which is either run your hotel or your golf course, etc. Um, those are based on the accounts for the property. So what we call those receipts and expenditure. So what we do is then appraise the receipts and expenditure for the property and work out what the rent would be paid if, if, if it were between a landlord and a tenant, um, how much rent would be paid to a landlord based on the, the tenant running the business and having um, a profit which you would then divide between the landlord and the tenant. And that's how you arrive at that, that, that figure. Um, then you get some very, very unusual properties, which is uh, getting a little bit detailed now, but um, you get things like steelworks or you get um, a nuclear power station or things that uh, or independent schools. Those sorts of things don't um, tend to be valued by reference to, uh, or, or sorry, you can't analyze by reference to the accounts because they're quite different you know, that they're not there to make a profit in, in, in the traditional sense. Um, so you tend to value those based on the opportunity cost of the amount of money it would take to build the facility. So that's sort of uh, getting quite involved, I'm afraid, but uh, that's, that's, that, that's the answer to the question. <laughs> Who gets the money done? I mean, all this cash coming in, where does it go? It goes to the local authority. Uh, the local authority collect uh, the rate. So you've got two bodies involved. You've got the valuation office agency, um, which is the, an executive agency of the inland revenue. Uh, they set the levels of value across the country for all of these properties, whether it be uh, the, the, um, the, the rating list or whether it's the valuation list. The rating list is the, the, 
business rate side of things and the valuation list is the, the council tax side of things. Uh, once they've set the rate, um, they've set the level of value, then that's just passed over to the local authority and the local authority then levy the rate. They, they, they charge the individuals in that area, those, those rateable occupiers for the, for, for, the, for the rates that are due. So if typically on a, uh, if you had a, uh, you know how council tax works and based on banding, um, but on the business rate side of things, you've got um, say a, a rateable value of £100,000, then typically that will be rated at say 50p in the pound, uh, that goes up by inflation each year. So the actual rates will always be £50,000. Mm. On the council tax side of things, um, you've got a banding from A through to H, um, and you, the, the, those uh, all the councils in the country, they will assign um, their band D charge for that year. So they will say that, say, their band D charge is £900 for the year. I know it's more than that, but just bear with me for a second because of the, <laughs> to, to explain exactly how it works. But if you have a band D charge of £900, then all of the others uh, are related to the band D charge. So an A is um, £600 and an H is £1,800. And the whole system is based on number of nights. So you have an A, which is six ninths, and you'll have an H, which is 18 ninths, and everything in between has a, a relationship to the band D. So if you told me a band D charge for an area, I would be able to tell you exactly what the band A charge was or a band F charge. Oh, right. Okay, that's interesting. So, so that money is collected by the local authority, and then it's passed, it used to be passed over central government and then it got redistributed on a contention ratio uh, now they've got this thing called rate contention which is where the local authority get to keep the money and they get to spend it so they've become far far more interested in what goes on in their area so you talking before about reading um, those sort of initiatives are quite disparate in the uh, makeup at the moment across the country but uh, there are massive massive inconsistencies mm. so you're not surprised <laughs> you, 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 you and the, the listeners are not are finding these rather inconsistent, uh, unsatisfactory arrangements around the country. And you, you, you're not really sure which way you should be going with, with, with some of the developments. Yeah, I'm going to touch on that in just a second, because yes. I just wanted to talk about relief, because I know that certainly for um, business rates, there are a lot of relief schemes out there. Um, you know, how, do you, how do you know or how will our listeners know if they qualify for some kind of rate relief? <laughs> right well this is this is this is huge um they tamper with the system depending on the political mood uh you've got uh, at the moment you've got retail relief so you've got properties of uh, less than fifty-one thousand could qualify for retail relief and you get a third off your rates bill for this year and next year which is huge so if you're tinkering around at fifty-two thousand or fifty-three thousand rateable value then if you can get that down to fifty thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine <laughs> You, you, you made a massive impact in, in terms of viability. Um, so there's that relief uh, that, that, that doesn't just cover retail. Retail is, the, is, is obviously what wins the, uh, the headlines in the papers, but um, when it comes down to it, you'll find that covers public houses and other things, um, garden centres alike. Um, and I, I can't remember all of the, the different things that we capture, but it's, it's things that, are, that we would probably loosely say are retail. Uh, then you've got uh, mandatory relief, which an awful lot of independent schools that we deal with. Uh, and mandatory relief is something based on charitable status. So you have, uh, that's, that's mandatory, so you automatically get that. That's 80% reduction in the bill. So you only pay a fifth of the amount that others would pay if you're a charity, a registered charity. 
Um, if you then uh, come down the scale a little, you'll find that you get relief, um, which is uh, based on the, the, the size of the rateable value at the lower end, which is at the moment you get something called small business rates relief that it comes into play at uh, anything under 15,000 uh, effectively. Um, at 12,000 pounds, you don't pay any rates at all if you're a small business rate payer. At 15,000, you pay 100% of the rate. So you can see, and in between, it's it's a percentage, you know, pro rata. So Don, if they, I'm just going <coughs> to throw this one out. I'm just thinking out loud here. So, for example, if I were to go into office space and I bought an office and bought the whole lot, could I chop that office up into little bits and then rent some of those offices that we've just created to other arms of our company and charge rent for it? Would that then give me small business rate relief for the whole building? Effectively, yes, we get involved in an awful lot of schemes like that. Um, but what you've got to remember is that uh, you've got to genuinely, genuinely have separate occupations. Yeah. So you, it's no good. Um, because for, I mean, my, my example is we've got sort of like seven limited companies and they're all, you know, they're all yes. real. They're all real companies. Um, and we all have different staff yeah. for different companies. So if I were to put staff from company one, two, three, four, five, and six, and they had their own offices, but within the same building, they then would fall under small business rate relief in their own right. Correct. Yes, they would. Yeah. They would. And that's you, 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 what, what the, the, the problems arise when you have a, a number of individual properties is when you have um, a, a property which is, say, captured by the small business rates relief, or you've captured it within, the, within small business rates relief and you've got it under... Uh, uh, twelve thousand pounds and then you occupy a little office on the other side of the corridor say uh, that little office on the other side of the corridor might be uh, three thousand pounds but it actually upsets the relief on the main property mm. so you end up with uh, you've got to make sure that you just occupy the one hereditament and any other additional hereditaments uh, can't be over two thousand nine hundred rateable value um, okay this is in england obviously we're talking about and this is why it's really important to get a consultant on board because it is vast. It's like anything, isn't it? You know, if you don't know this, folks, um, it's going to pay you dividends to talk to somebody like Don to get on board to make sure that you are getting all of your reliefs because, you know, it's like anything in business. You don't know everything. You've got to outsource to the professionals. Don, I've got a really burning question now. So I'm going to go straight into the HMO, single banding, etc. So let me just tell you a little bit about what's happening in our world. You're probably very well aware of this anyway. Um, in the HMO world, in the HMO investing world, we are seeing an awful lot at the moment of some local authorities singly banding HMO rooms. Now, some are saying that if it's a self-contained unit, i.e. you don't need to leave the room to go and live. So you've got a kitchenette with a cooker and washing facilities. You've got a bedroom, living room, and you've got a, an ensuite. Then they're banding those as singly banding, and rightfully so, because they are, and they're putting those as band A. But now what we're seeing is any um, well, certain areas of the country are banding just with ensuite facilities. So they still have to go out. There's still shared facilities within the house. Um, they can't stay within the room to live. They have to leave it. But the VOA for those areas are charging single banding. And believe it or not, and we mentioned earlier when we had our little pre-chat, Reading Council, and seems to be Reading only at the moment, are charging band A just for having single accommodation within a property, a normal C3 dwelling house. So that's what we're experiencing at the moment. Um, 
I know what the VOA guidelines are because, you know, I've read them in my sleep. I've got them in the back of my eyelids. Like anything, it's really gray. What's happening? You know, is there anything we can do here? Because we can't plan forwards with our projects if we don't really know if we have to factor in band a council tax or whether we don't or whether we don't now, but it might come in in a year's time. Why are they doing it? Is there anything that we can do about it? Well, uh, great question. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I mean, I kind of threw all of that at you there, really. I kind of just <laughs> vented, but, you know, it, well, it, it's so annoying right now. You, you, you can be forgiven for feeling like one of uh, Pavlov's dogs, I think is probably the best description, but um, you sort of don't know whether you're getting a treat or, or you're going to get a, an electric shock with these sorts of things. But um, you probably don't want to know the answer to, to these, that particular question because uh, it's a bit of a ticking time bomb, potentially. Uh, whether there's an appetite to do anything about it or whether the, um, you know, it, 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 it will depend on each local authority, I would think. The, the joined up thinking isn't perhaps as joined up as it, as it could be. Um, certainly there's a reduction of, of revenue officers, there's a reduction of appetite in certain areas. Um, the, 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 the communications between planning and uh, building regs and um, the local authority uh, rate, rating team uh, isn't now you know because obviously they've found quite a lot of these services out so they're probably not uh, quite what they should be or could be um, but in essence um, the way that you value um, or identify what the the rateable unit is for council tax purposes is based on what the property was originally constructed or adapted for so if the if the property was originally um, you know <laughs> I, I, I've got to be very careful I don't get into specifics because people have run away with the idea that, uh, <laughs> that their property fits in a bit like diagnosing yourself on the internet mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if, if, if you if you have a single property um, it was originally built as one property and it had absolutely no adaptation and it is occupied by a number of tenants um, in each of the rooms and there's a lot of turnover of tenants, then the listing officer, as they're known, which is a valuation officer, the listing officer would then be able to exercise their discretion um, to aggregate, which means aggregate all of those dwellings into one and keep it as one uh, council tax assessment. And that's their discretion to do that. So um, if you imagine, remember Rising Damp? Uh, mm -hmm. Program. I don't know if any, every, any, anybody else will, but um, uh, the, the whole Rigsby setup there, that would be one um, assessment because it would have been one house built originally uh, for, uh, for, for use as, as one dwelling. Um, there's been no adaptation. There's a lot of turnover of tenants. And the original intention of this, you've got to remember, is going way back when, um, if you had that sort of Rigsby sort of setup where you had a number of tenants and they were coming and going, the local authority didn't know where they'd gone to so they couldn't build them easily um, so what they were trying to do is to, uh, to to make it easier for the local authorities to identify who was going to pay the pay the bill so they introduced something called aggregation which basically means all of these things should be lumped into one and then the local authority can then just bill the landlord now that was under the old 1967 uh, general rate act um, before margaret thatcher and all the rest of it uh, that, that we talked about earlier um, so that's been um, continued in the new legislation um, and there's a right for the listing officer to aggregate the, uh, the property so that they can take all of those rooms and call them one assessment 
Um, now, in practice, it started off as one assessment. So say you have one band F, if you like, and um, you've now been confronted with, uh, you know, potentially four band A's, which obviously working on our ninth system before isn't, isn't a desirable outcome. Um, if, if, if you start off with your band F, um, then you have a number of tenants in there that um, are then going to occupy on a frequent basis. So that, so the, the business travelers and they're working in Reading and they're sort of the, 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 the wandering in and out of Reading on a regular basis and you have them for you know, a, a period of time, uh, but they're not there for a, a sustained period of time and there's been no adaptation, then if the listing officer was to know about the arrangement, then they would be able to, um, to, to, to use their discretion to say, well, this should just be one band. It should be a band F because that's what was originally intended with this property. However, if you've then carved the property up and you have people who are living there for a long period of time, um, and I don't want really to get involved in what's a long period of time or not, uh, but if you, and, and you've made adaptations, and I mean, when I say adaptations, you know, at one end of the scale, you've got sort of a lockable door, and at the other end of the scale, you've got sort of fully self-contained ensuite sort of facilities with kitchenette, et cetera, et cetera. If you've made adaptations and uh, you, you, you no longer have something which was what was the original property, then they quite rightly should be split up into uh, separate uh, council tax bands. Now, the, it's all a question of fact and degree. What the, the answer is to whether or not they should um, be split up into, in, into those individual bands. But what it would say is that the listing officer's discretion is what we're basing it on. Um, so they do not need to uh, use their discretion. They can just say, well, these should be separate bands. Mm -hmm. Now, if, if the local authority find out about these things, uh, which they should do, uh, they can raise a report requiring the listing officer to re-rate the property. And probably what you, and, and again, I've got to be very careful, I'm not a lawyer, but uh, I do get involved in these things quite a bit. Uh, what, what you probably don't want to know is, that, is, is how far these things could go back, because in, in essence, and theoretically, they could go back um, to the date when the, the alterations took place. And obviously, you can probably work that one through yourself. That would be a, a most undesirable outcome. Now, if uh, that were to happen, I suspect it would be so politically <laughs> political dynamite. So I suspect they probably would, wouldn't want to backdate um, to, to, you know, if you'd done it 10 years ago and then backdated it suddenly 10 years later. Um, it'd obviously create a bit of a rumpus, to say the least. Um, so you know, Don, I think... You've given us loads of information there, and I've got a few of my own opinions, if I may, come back. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, so first of all, you know, adaptations. Well, I mean, what, what is the definition of that? If it's simply a lock on the door of a bedroom, are we saying that if we remove that lock, then it would go back to single banding? No, I would say even if you leave the lock there, it probably would remain as a single banding. Yeah, but what if we take the lock away? That's, that's my point. So if we remove that lock, so it's just a bedroom, there are no adaptations at all to that property apart from we are renting each room separately. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, just be, that would just remain that. The, the listing officer would then probably uh, exercise their discretion to uh, have the property as one, as one assessment. Right, okay. So just simply based on having a lock on, on the bedroom door? Well, the lock is, that's what I was saying. I, I, I didn't want to get into specifics because it's based on far more than that. That's just, that's just a physical test. There are other tests, obviously, down to the, uh, the nature of the occupation. Um, now, are we talking tick the box here? Because and we talk about it's the, um, the visiting officer's assessment. It's up to them. It can be down to their discretion, which I'll come on into a second. But I know that there's a housing shortage. You know, every council have got their own targets to meet. Very often they're under targets. 
by singly banding a property, does it give them one tick in the box as a single unit of accommodation? That's a really good question. I don't know the answer to that, but um, it, it, it wouldn't be beyond the wit of man to say that, well, we've, this is how many council tax assessments we've got in our area, would it? <laughs> Target driven. And well, yeah, when, when it comes down to the discretion, now, uh, I, I fundamentally think that's a really bad way um, for anybody to operate because you've got, it's like asking 10 people one question, getting 10 different answers. And as business people, what we're trying to do is we're trying to create opportunities for people that can't afford to go out and rent similar accommodation on their own or even buy it. So we're creating opportunities for people, but it just seems that we're being driven away from doing that all of the time because only one thing is going to happen here and it's going to be charged back to the tenant. Um, because if all of a sudden single banding comes in, it will then be up to the tenant to pay because, of course, they're going to get their, what is it, 30% relief, a single occupier's relief, um, because we wouldn't get that as a landlord because we don't live in the property. So it's all driving it back to the tenant to make it harder for them to live, surely. Well, it is. Uh, there, there, are, there are countless examples of how, uh, you know, I've come across clients who say you know, it's all incredibly well intended and it's, um, you know, improving anything seems to penalise you. So the more turnover you have in your hotel, the more it would seem to penalise you in terms of the property tax. Um, you know, the, the, in, in this particular arrangement, all I can tell you is that the local authority would not be particularly sympathetic to your plight. I think mm. they would say, well, the market will adjust and, and provide accordingly. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's not satisfactory. It doesn't seem uh, fair that that should be the case. It's not helping. It's, it's not helping the, the private right. rental sector. <laughs> well, clearly not. No, but what, what you found is that over the years, since um, you know the, the days of sort of just converting something, well, when I say converting something, taking a single property and and, and, and having a rising damp setup, if you like, which is you know just let people into the rooms and they share the facilities and it's they just leave the property as it originally was intended of course the legislation and the uh, the, the, the the licensing has meant that you can't just leave the property as it was you've got to make adaptation you've got to move it forward into into the modern era and and that in itself is is providing a sort of a on, on the scale of what is considered to be something which could be one banding um on to the other end of the scale where it's definitely not and it should be um, a, a number of individual bandings that, that that's not helping because it's pushing it in that direction it doesn't help and it doesn't help the fact that we've got this discretionary element because i know the people have got properties that are um based on floor by floor because there's a kitchen on the floor upstairs there's a kitchen downstairs the valuation officers based it on floor by floor so they've they've um, given two bandings to that property which is fair enough and i understand that i understand the fact that if it's a property a normal dwelling house and you've not made any adaptions it's still fundamentally a property it's still a house all you've done is rented the room individually then i understand obviously that should be a single banded property and i also understand that if you put your facilities your living facilities inside the room um, and then it turns it into a single dwelling then it should be singly banded but there is no there's no broad brush across the whole country it just doesn't happen and i don't know how as investors we can move forwards and plan if we don't know if if, if we're going to get singly banded we don't know if it's going to be backdated we don't know if it's i mean it used to be the fact that 
ensuite rooms would be uh, and kitchenettes would be the tick box then now it went down to ensuite rooms if you've got an ensuite room in that would be the tick the box but now it's not even ensuite rooms it's just down to the discretion so i mean is there anything that we can do don as landlords and investors to challenge this or would it literally be just a fruitless exercise i i feel it's the latter to be honest which is uncomfortable for you i appreciate um the, the um generally i think the way that uh, the the the, the law works and certainly in this area is no different to any other area is that you you get given the the, the basic sort of um arrangement with the with statute which in this case is the local government finance act 1992 and we've got articles and, and sections and things that that, that that all come to play in, in it and then when you hit this gray area then you go off to the court to the tribunal and the high court and, and you come to a resolution or, or they give you a determination based on uh, the fact and degree that they find in those particular circumstances so there's a bit of precedent that's built up for this now so Although you say that this is now sort of a discretionary thing, it's only me telling you that it's a discretionary thing. It's always been a discretionary thing. It's been a discretionary thing for you know many, many, many moons. Um, so all I can say to you and your developers and, and, and people involved in this industry is that you probably find that um, this is a risk, the same as all the other risks that you come across in, in, in property development. Um, this is something that you may take the view that, hold on a second, well, I, I know I've got you know four rooms in it or five rooms in this property, and that they potentially could be band A assessments. And you put that into your spreadsheet and say, well, this is the risk that we're running, and 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 there's a backdating potential, backdating element, and there's potential that this could be split up. Um, I realise you're competing in a marketplace with potentially people who are slightly ignorant to the fact that this could be the case and you might be losing properties as a result of it um, because you're trying to compete for, for, for similar sorts of things. Uh, however, you know, they'll be the one that potentially get the surprise and you won't be. But um, it's not, you know, throughout the country, it's, uh, it's a real problem, and especially down south, because, of course, the pressure on housing there in particular is, is at such a rate that people are carving up properties in, in a in a different way um, so I, I, I would think that you know that the inconsistency is huge um, it's not untypical to many many areas of, of rating uh, there's massive inconsistencies um, the fact that your neighbor has has still got one uh, got exactly the same arrangement as you but they've got one council tax band and you've got several um, that when you get to court is is is, is not really taken into account they just look at the facts and the degree in your particular set of circumstances mm, interesting isn't it really? sorry I knew you wouldn't want to hear the answer <laughs> no no not at all you know we have to keep this real and you know this is a threat and we have been talking about this you know in our communities and what i generally say to people don is if we go in with the element that you may be singly banded in the future so go in with the eyes wide open and as you rightfully just said stack it into your deal make sure it's in the numbers make sure it's in the spreadsheet and if it still works great um if it doesn't work then potentially then walk away from the deal um a lot of people now are moving away from putting on suites in because they don't want to have any of those fundamental changes um but then the other element is you know with shared occupation if we look at students rather than working professionals and students generally are council tax exempt anyway. And in my experience, you know, we've got our single um, flats, which of course, you know, they are singly banded and rightfully so. Um, the tenants don't mind paying their own council tax and they get their single rate relief. So they're not paying full whack anyway. So they're probably having to add maybe 70 pounds a month on top of their rent. Um, and they don't, 
generally in my experience they don't mind paying it but it is something that we do need to bear in mind and especially if they're back dating um and you mentioned earlier that the potential of them back dating maybe 10 years would be you know perhaps um not the right thing to do but effectively they can do that they can backdate it to the, the the start of the of the project when you started to put tenants in so it is a threat and it is something that we do need to be aware of it just seems to be a squeeze all the time don have you have you ever represented anybody that's challenged in court yourself or do you know anybody that has? Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we do get involved in this sort of thing, but it's, um, to, to be frank, it, 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 you don't tend to, if you get me involved, you probably wouldn't end up in court because you'd probably realise that there's, <laughs> that, that it's, you, you wouldn't waste your money um, in, in a lot of instances. In some instances, yeah, absolutely. Um, if the, if, depending on the circumstances, uh, as you say, it's a, it's a grey area. Um, but the the, ini- the initial sort of uh, passion that people have when they get these rates bills, obviously, <laughs> is it, it needs to be managed carefully because um, you know they, they can the government can do things like this. You know the, the local authority can send these bills out. The, you know the, there's the law and um, there's, there's equity, and the two things don't necessarily coincide. Mm. So what you, what you think is an injustice is you know just the law, and the law isn't it, it, as we. Are reminded on a regular basis and in the cases I get involved with it's, it's not a it's not a court of morality um, it's just down to whether or not the, the, the law says you 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 should be paying that or you shouldn't be paying that um, and so it, the, the number of cases that actually end up in court because it's quite work evolved if you if, if you read into it you know there's there have been um, quite a lot of cases before the courts um, and you, the, have, have they all failed um, not all of them fail, no, 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 no. But the vast majority do, uh, based on one of the the earlier decisions, which is sort of along the, the facets that I was describing to you before. You know, this idea of a, an original building, and, and you know, ultimately, uh, I'm not I'm not entirely sure that, uh, that the courts can intervene in a discretion uh, of the listing officer. Um, they can comment or not, you know, whether the um, that the property should be uh, you know, disaggregated is, is, a, is an expression we use, or whether it should be a, a single property, or whether uh, they can look at the facts and degree and decide whether or not that somebody's reached the right conclusion. Um, but ultimately, you know, it is quite well developed, um, and I'm just telling you this end of the spectrum. After all that development, um, you, you can find you know enough similarities in the cases that have been before the courts to actually put your own um, property into, in, in, into a, a, a particular um, arena that you can understand. What's the appeals process, Don? So if people do get, you know, a bill, if you like, um, how do they go about appealing and what does that look like? Well, you, you'll get a, a revision to the assessment um, and then you'll have a period of time to appeal against that to, uh, well, first of all, to the listing officer. Um, so you can, I mean, they will review things at any time. Um, you know, the, the actual legislation said you only have six months from you know, back in 1993 uh, to do things. But if you still own the property and you're doing things and if there's been a, a, an alteration to the banding, which by definition in this instance, you will have an alteration to the banding. Um, then that alteration will give rise to uh, rights to appeal. Uh, you appeal in the first instance to the listing officer, and then if uh, you have no joy with the listing officer, then you can refer it to the Valuation Tribunal for England, um, and then they will hear the case. Um, at that point, uh, it stops. There's no appeal then to the upper chamber, but the Lands Tribunal, is, we, we call it. Um, you can only then appeal to the High Court on a point of law, um, 
and that's that's the appeal system and how long does that typically take uh typically the the, the original sort of initial uh, approach to the valuation office the, the listing officer will take um probably three to probably three months um three to six months and then you will refer it to the to the uh to the valuation tribunal that can take you know another three to six months okay so it's quite quickly it's not something that's going to go it's a lot over quicker it's an awful lot quicker than business rates business rates is is, is, is caught up in uh well traditionally been caught up in in, in 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 huge time scales you know two three years it's not uncommon so you know respectively with um they if the council of voa do charge you backdated if you do get it to tribunal and let's just say you do win are they likely to refund you anything do they pay you back yeah the way rating works is that it's a very easy tax to collect so you you will um if, if they demand something from you then you pretty well got to pay it uh you, there are there are you know depending on the amounts involved um you can stall that um you, you can appeal against it but um Generally speaking, if they've, if they've demanded it, then you must pay it. And uh, then once you've sorted out everything with the listing officer, the valuation office, the valuation tribunal, the upper chamber, whatever it is, once there's a determination that comes back in your favour, then they will readjust the account and you will get any money that you've overpaid back at that point. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. I we kind of laboured that a little bit. And it's quite an emotive subject. Well, I'm aware of that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not your fault. You know, this is me venting, you know. But it's great to have somebody that's, you know, that's doing this and that's, you know, acting on behalf of clients that sees it for what it really, really is. Is this any different on with assisted living and care homes? Um, I know they're not really deemed as HMOs, but, you know, would, would the ratings be very different with care homes? No, they're not. Um, you usually find that it's been constructed uh, or adapted for use as a single property. Uh, so you'll find it's just one banding with a care home. Um, right. And you don't ever end up in a situation where you've, you know, because of the nature of the occupation, you've got, <laughs> be careful how I say it, but you've got a turnover of, of tenants. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and, and now Labour are talking about, I don't like to talk too much about politics, you know, and, uh, um, but Labour are talking about, you know, maybe if they get into power, passing council tax back to the landlord what's i mean why <laughs> what, what, what do you think that would be what's their incentive with that sorry uh, I'm, I'm not following you there you you say if labor get in they so they i mean we're talking about um passing the council tax back to the landlord so um jeremy corbyn is talking about making the landlord pay the council tax not the tenant and it's going to be the landlord's responsibility not sorry. the tenant's responsibility yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, again, I, I can only imagine that the reason for that, but yeah, sorry, I was uh, just off on a tangent then, but um, I can only imagine the reason for that is that uh, they want to have somebody they can they can actually get the money out of. <laughs> so, all um, oh, right, okay, so they can actually, yeah. This is why the, the aggregation thing started off and this discretionary thing started off in the first place is that, um, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't track down the person who was supposed to pay the tax. And of course, the local authority plowing in resources to get money. Mm, interesting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, that's doesn't it? With, that's the same with poll tax. Um, obviously, you know, you, you, you've got changes in Section 21 and all this sort of stuff now, haven't you, which is going to also make things a little bit more stable in terms of turnover. But no, I can only imagine it's, that it's for that reason.
Well, we haven't got the Section 21 thing in yet. There's talk about it. You know, I mean, it's a very, very early stages. But who knows which government we're going to have in 18 months' time. Um, you know, we don't know what policies are going to be around. Things could change, and they do very quickly. Um, you know, in terms of the council tax being charged back to the landlord, I can see that now. The tenants are very transient, very hard sometimes for, um, uh, for people to track them down once they leave. Yeah. But, you know, when we talk about the private rental sector, my goodness me. So if we look at single let landlords, I mean, we've got over 2 million private landlords in the country. And if you look at single let landlords that um, rent out flats, you know, to, um, to working professionals, it's going to break the back of it, surely. I mean, you know, a lot of these landlords don't make a lot of profit now. I don't know if you're aware, Don, that we've got something called um, Section 24, which is the tax allowances that were taken away over a period of time. So we can no longer now um, claim mortgage interest rate relief. It's actually seen as profit, which meant that landlords weren't making as much money from their single acts. And if all of a sudden then they have to pay the council tax as well, it's just going to, surely it's going to break the back of, of, of the industry. I mean, I can only imagine the, the changes, obviously, in interest rate relief and uh, you know, mortgage interest rate relief and, and the other things you're talking about. Is, um, they're just huge moves towards stopping this buy-to-let sort of um, industry and mm -hmm. to get these, these houses back in the marketplace for uh, owner occupation. Uh, I mean, I can't see any other, any other agenda, to be honest. And yeah. It surprised me how uh, things, things have turned out. I'm, I'm a landlord myself, a, a property. So, um, uh, and obviously when all the legislation came through, being the person I am and, and, and dealing with these things for a living, I, I got a spreadsheet out immediately and realised that some people, it's actually going to cost them money to um, to, 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 to run their, their buy-to-let property. So they, they had to, do, you know, obviously adjust pretty quick, otherwise they're going to be left with a, with a huge liability potentially. Um, on, a, on an annual basis, but I think a lot of people got into this on the on the on the back of sort of capital values, you know. So if you if you look at um, a typical example is sort of um, uh, holiday cottages, which people have bought as, um, uh, and we get involved in, in in quite a few things like that, you know, which have gone from council tax um, and, and they've become business rates. Yeah, we've done one of those because. Um, Sorry, you... yeah, we, we've got one. So we had a property that we, we rented out and we've changed it from council tax to business rates. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, I, I've, I've been involved in a few of these and um, we've, uh, we actually won a high court case uh, on, on that particular instance, in that particular instance. But the, 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 um, the idea behind a, 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 a holiday cottage is, is fantastic. You, you buy with your heart, not your head, basically. If, it, if it's down to revenue, um, it, it's not going to it's not going to be a money spinner. But most people bought them on the basis that you know we're getting nothing on our on our savings in the in the bank. Um, we've we've always wanted somewhere you know a little bolt hole in the country. We've um, it's a great idea because it's not going to go down in value. Uh, it's a it's a the whole thing is a capital equation, and uh, you're doing it just to you know there is a little bit of income obviously, and people do it professionally and, and make income. But generally speaking, people bought one. Um, for, the, for their own use and let it out um, to, to, to subsidise the, the cost of having their sort of second home. Um, those things are a capital idea um, and, and, and buy to let at the rates when it first started, I mean my first house I think it was bought at 10% and now you're talking sort of, you know, they, they dropped rapidly over the years and you're thinking well there was, there was 
there was good money to be had in sort of that area in terms of revenue. Uh, the capital values obviously increased and then it became something where people were sort of spending their redundancy or whatever on a, on a property. They got very much involved in the, in the capital element of it. And, and I think the, um, the, that, that's, you know, obviously been a, a, a thought process that sort of revolved sort of five, six years ago. And now it, it's now leaving people, it's the professional landlords that are coming into the equation now. People are being put off going into, I mean, you, you'll know better than I will, but, you know, uh, with the reaction of people and, and the sort of the, the, their motivations for, for getting involved with these things. But um, to my mind, and what I'm seeing is it seems that, um, you know, the, the, the people who would have perhaps bought, you know, a, a buy-to-let property sort of 10 years ago wouldn't wouldn't even look at one now. Um, mm -hmm. It's just a one-off. So yeah, people I mean, are far more professional, and that's obviously why you're chatting to me now about HMOs, because that's an active landlord, isn't it? And these active things like student accommodation and HMOs, that's where, that's where there's been money, and that's where there's a real service to be provided out there. And, and I think that um, it's, it's a shame, really, that we can't stabilise it in some way and, and, and nail down some of these sort of... Uh, imponderables which are the sort of the council I think, you know we, we just need to know one way or the other and we have some kind of common ground because if we know that it's it's happening and it's going to be you know it's going to be done then we can stack it in and we don't have to worry about it because i know that the you know people in my community um that are worried to death because if it comes in it's going to put them out of business because you know potentially they might have a, a massive portfolio several hundred tenants and then all of a sudden overnight they're going to get you know three four hundred individual council tax bills that they can't pay that's just going to clear them out that's going to make them go bankrupt surely well uh, yeah absolutely absolutely um uh, that's why i say i think when it comes down to it politically you'll probably find that they they, they won't backdate it um mm. but irrespective of backdating or not i mean that is, that is a burden that you've not allowed for in the in the overall equation it is isn't it and especially when you know the profit margins are you know, are tighter and tighter. They're becoming more and more squeezed. I mean, this isn't, you know, sort of, this is just an observation that, but a lot of our market that we're in now, there are people coming in into the industry now and they've really disrupted by going into what we call boutique type properties. They're almost like five-star hotels done some of these properties. And, yeah. and of course the tenants are drawn towards that and, and rightfully so they, you know, and, and they should get high class accommodation, but that's then driving all of the other landlords to do the same, which puts the price up, which makes a profit less and it just becomes an even bigger squeeze Dom I mean I feel like I've ranted at you a little bit here <laughs> it's, but, um, it's, been, <laughs> it's been it's been really interesting to talk to somebody that sees it from the coal face um, and it's great that you know you say look it is what it is so I think to, to recap folks you know when, it, when we talk about single banding it's reality it's here in certain parts of the country whether or not it goes to your area just make sure that you factor the element in. Make sure that you stack your deal maybe with the element in. And if it still works, then great, you can move forwards. And the other side of things are, at the end of the day, charge it back to your tenant because, you know, we're in business. We've got to make money. And if we're going to be paying the council tax as well for everybody, then clearly that profit is going to go out of that property. Um, and, you know, our tenants, they're single banded. They pay. They're happy. Um, we don't hear from them and they pay directly you know it's in their name so it does work you've just got to adapt and things change in every industry not just in property i feel like i've just sort of um you know had a, a little bit of a rant there and um, but it is something that's quite emotive so don if people want to contact you and i know that you can help them with all sorts of things business rates and um council tax elements etc um how can they do that how can we reach you 
Right, well, we've got, uh, I've got a website. Um, I've got, uh, I, I can leave you some uh, details for your, for your notes there, but uh, the, um, probably the, 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 the quickest way at the moment is just to send me an email, uh, which is don.bt at bpart.co.uk, which is B-E-P-A-R-T, which is Bravo, Echo, Papa, Alpha, Romeo, Tango. And you'll get through to me on that. And uh, awesome. And if you let me have your um, your details, I can put them in the notes for the podcast. So everyone, if you look under the subject okay. notes, I'll put them in there, and they can contact you directly from there as well, Don. That's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome, absolutely. Don. It's been an absolute pleasure. I know you're really busy, and I thought you know today um, it's been it's been a really interesting conversation, and it's nice to talk to somebody that sees it, as I say from the cold face. And I'm sure now we're going to get inundated with lots of questions and lots of emails etc but hopefully um, you know you can share your experience with some of our community and help them get through some of these uh, intricacies of um, banding and council tax etc yeah absolutely absolutely no it's been a pleasure to talk to you and uh, i hope i've uh, been able to throw some light on it anyway <laughs> absolutely don thank you very much indeed it's been absolutely awesome so folks that's the end of this show i hope you enjoyed it i know that sometimes we have to talk about these things because they're real and there's no point in flowering things up and you know trying to say things that uh, just people want to hear sometimes you've got to listen to stuff that you don't want to hear so if you want to contact don the notes are going to be in the podcast description so click on that and you can contact him directly and like always if you want to contact me you can contact me on my instagram page which is rickgannon.uk or my facebook group which is the hmo and property community group until the next show folks take care have fun